Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Bagel. Bagel. I want a bagel. It's Monday. Nothing personal. Word of the day is bagel. What do you think of when I say that? I'm thinking H&H, bagels in New York City. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. One of my favorite expressions. So how's that going? Well, it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. That's supposed to be the same thing, right? Well, Major League Baseball, as predicted on CBS Sports HQ on Monday morning, early on the early edition, and again, on the midday edition, and again on the evening edition, depending on when you're listening to this, you may have heard all three or none. But let's get into some detail. Major League Baseball is trying to play baseball. The players are trying to play baseball. Proposals have stopped. Panic has set in. Social media frenzy has been heightened. It's a mess. So we said today that there's going to be a proposal coming this week, and I was wrong. It's actually, I think it's on my Twitter at David P. Sampson. I said this week there will be a proposal. What I should have said and what I meant to say is this morning, Monday, June 8th, there will be a proposal. And there was. So let's dig into it and explain to you why baseball is doing what it's doing on the owner's side and why the players are doing what they're doing on the player's side. First, let's give you a quick primer to see whether or not these offers and counter offers are actually bagel-like. First, Major League Baseball said, we have a great idea. How about a sliding scale? We'll play 114 games. We'll play 82 games, I should say. Sliding scale, the people who make the most will have the biggest pay cut, which is what's going on in companies around the country. The players came back and said, no, let's go with 114 games at a full pro rata salary. The owners said, we're not even going to respond. Then they leaked the fact that they were just going to do a 48-game season. Full pro rata salary. Panic. Today, Major League Baseball leaked and then sent a proposal to the union that said, we have an idea. This one will work. Let's play 76 games and we'll pay you 75% of your pro rata salary. We'll start the season in three weeks and we'll end it at the end of September. Then we'll go to the playoffs. In addition to that, we'll take away draft pick compensation. What does that mean? When a free agent gets a qualifying offer from a team, That means when that free agent signs with another team, that other team loses its first round pick. That has had a quashing impact, purposefully, by the way, has had a quashing impact on free agent signings. And so the league said, we will take that draft pick compensation away for the next off season. So these free agents will be free to sign with any team and a team will be free to sign them without giving up a draft pick. In addition, 
We will have a pool of money available if there are playoffs. The owners are claiming that they are very concerned that the season starts and then does not make it through the playoffs without a stoppage because of coronavirus, a second wave. The reason why that is so economically important is Major League Baseball makes the majority of its revenue, TV revenue, during the playoffs. And given the fact there will not be gate revenue during the season, they need to get the playoff revenue because that is what helps pay the salaries no matter what number is agreed to. It helps pay the salaries of the players. So baseball said, how about this? Let's share playoff revenue. If the playoffs happen, we will give you more. In this most recent offer, what MLB said is, we'll pay you 50% of your pro rata, but if the playoffs happen, that will go all the way to 75%. The players said, through leaks, as a quick response, well, that's no good. That's six of one and half a dozen of the other. It's the same as your last offer, which we turned down. It's the same as your last offer, which we don't even want to consider countering. It's going to pay us around 33% of our full salary. Such a misleading stat for the union to put out through its media leaks. The players continue to forget the reality that when there are not 162 games, you are not having your pay cut. You are having your pay reduced. If you play 81 games out of 162, you are going to make half your salary because you get paid to play 162 games. When you only get paid half your salary for playing 81 games, that is not a pay cut. That's a pay reduction. And I'm not just saying six of one, half a dozen of the other. A pay reduction is not a pay cut. A pay cut is when the amount of money you make per game is decreased, is cut. MLB is saying we are going to cut it, but we'll try to get you back to par. But we need to make sure we have the playoffs. Why does MLB continue to insist that there could be a second wave that could endanger the playoffs. Well, they've got reason to. The reason they have reason to is that players may not necessarily have a vested interest in their own health and the health of others. And I don't mean this to sound controversial or anti-player. What I mean is it is takes discipline. It's hard not to go out at night. It's hard to quarantine. It's hard to be responsible on the road. It's hard not to see friends, family. It's hard not to go to bars. The owners want to incentivize the players to stay inside the bubble as much as possible because the more players who test positive, and we've already seen it. We're going to talk about it later in the show if we have time. We've already talked about the fact that players are testing positive as testing happens in every league. Baseball players will test positive, hopefully asymptomatic when spring training starts. They'll be quarantined seven days, and hopefully they will then be ready to go back and play. But if players, and they'll be testing every day, if they're testing positive, and let's say eight members of the Yankees test positive, are the Yankees going to want to play in the playoffs? Will there be a playoffs with not just the B team, but we're talking about practically a minor league team? If every team has eight or more players testing positive, the league would have to shut down. I'm making up the number eight, but just take a number. It'll have to be negotiated, but they won't know until it comes to playoff time whether or not playoffs can happen. And if the playoffs get canceled for any reason, that is a huge 
blow to revenue. So what the owners are saying is, take a vested interest. We are raising our offer to you in terms of total compensation, but only if the job gets finished. And the players are standing up right now and saying, no, no, we want the guarantee to go up whether there's playoffs or not. We want to get to where the March agreement was. Remember the March 26th agreement? Here's a quick primer for y'all. The March agreement said that there will be pro rata salaries, but if it is not economically feasible to play a full slate, the commissioner has the right to decide on the schedule and the number of games, which is why baseball is opening up its discussion about how many games to play, weighed against whether or not there will be what percentage of your pro rata salary. Let's do some math for those $10 million players out there who are beginning to tweet and get frustrated and leak things through the press. A $10 million player under MLB's current proposal delivered today, should there be a full season, meaning a 76-game season, all the way through playoffs and to crown a World Series champion, that $10 million player would make $3.5 million under this offer instead of the $4.7 million that the players would want for a pro rata pay in a 76-game season. The pay cut, that 25% pay cut, would bring a $10 million player down to 3.5, but not instead of 10. People are saying they're getting paid around 35% of their salary. It is so misleading and so frustrating to me because they're not being honest with you mathematically. The $10 million player was never going to make $10 million for the simple reason there are not going to be 162 games. Not going to happen. So you look at what is possible from a calendar standpoint and whatever you get below that, that's your pay cut. Frame the issue properly. Because players get incensed when they read things or they're told things and they may not dig deep enough to understand the reality of what their reduction or cut is. How can we end this? How can we stop people saying, yeah, it's it's a bagel. This whole back and forth is a bagel and I'm tired of it. This whole back and forth just means that baseball is going to lose its spot as a national pastime. This whole back and forth bagel situation just means that baseball will end up as a not major sport. I'm frustrated because these same people, are they going to say that about the NFL and the NBA when they have their labor issues? Ray COVID? Because they're going to. It's not even my wait to see, but I am waiting to see. So this ends with an agreement. We've said on nothing personal until we're blue in the face. I've said baseball will happen. August 1st is the most likely date. And the negotiations that are going on right now are completely normal. I want to reiterate it. It is very normal to repackage proposals that the other side thinks, hey, you haven't moved at all. But baseball would say, the other side in negotiation, the owners would say, we have moved, we've repackaged. There will eventually be a proposal that is repackaged where both sides can save face. Both sides can say they didn't get what they want. And both sides can say that they can live with what they're getting. That's how an agreement works. That's how a negotiation works. It's going to be okay. Everybody stay calm and have a schmear.
When's the last time you used the word rogue? Rogue. I wanted that to be the word of the day, but such a great word. It's been used this weekend. Did anybody read? Has anybody paid attention to what's going on in the National Football League? So here's a quick review if you were hibernating this weekend. NFL players, we said on, I think it was last week's Friday episode, maybe. I can't remember which one, Coca. And uh, we talked about the video that seven or eight black NFL players made, a video they made, very strong, a message to Roger Goodell saying, hey, uh, you better amend your statement. And you better understand what kneeling's for. All of a sudden, 24 hours later, it took 24 hours, I lost my mind. But Roger Goodell responded. He responded with a video of his own made in his basement. He dressed down. And by the way, I have a quick, funny side note. Do you know what people wear when they do things? It matters. Roger Goodell chose purposefully not to wear a jacket. Just like in the draft, if you recall, he was not wearing a tie when he did the draft from his basement. Well, this video, he looked even more casual, wants to be one of the guys. And he did a whole video saying that we, the National Football League, apologize because we did not get it right and we're going to get better. How did this happen? How did this video happen? Well, here's the backstory. There was an employee, a National Football League employee, a social media employee so far down the ladder that Roger Goodell may know his name, Eh, may not, may have met him, Eh, may not. This employee called a player and said, I want to help you get your message out. You guys have a message to say, we can do it together. The player, I think it was uh, Thomas, but I could be wrong, Coca. The player called a bunch of other players. Meanwhile, the social media employee started working on the video. It was Michael. It was Michael Thomas. All of a sudden, a day, two days later, the video comes out. Is that the end of the story? No. Because this employee, because it's the internet, and we can find out who's effing with cats, found out who the employee was, how the video got made, and the employee gave an interview and said he went rogue. Rogue means an unprincipled, deceitful, and unreliable person, a scoundrel, a rascal. That's not what this employee was. He misused the word. There was nothing rogue about what he did. This employee actually went to his supervisor. His supervisor went to his supervisor, and now they were only five rungs below Roger Goodell at this point, and said, hey, I'm working on a video, and it's going to be powerful. Let's get ready. The supervisor's supervisor, in theory, went to his supervisor, went to his supervisor, and I'm using his, it could be her, it could be they, it doesn't matter. Up the chain, it's called. The NFL knew very well there was a video coming out from the players. The NFL knew what was going to be in the video, and still it took 24 hours to respond? Still, the NFL head of PR retweeted it 24 hours later saying, please take a look at this video. That's the best they can do? And then they did better. They said, "Uh uh-oh, we better do our own video because this is getting away from us. 
and it did get away from them. And now it's even more complicated. The president stepped in. As you know, he has been, President Trump has been very strong about kneeling in the NFL. The president was very upset with Drew Brees for saying, walking back his words about the flag and about the anthem. Drew Brees then did an apology. Drew Brees did a second apology. Drew Brees' wife did a third apology. Adrian Peterson came out and said there's going to be kneeling. There will be kneeling. And then the president tweeted again that he doesn't want kneeling. This was a very big deal in the NFL. You've got owners who need to curry favor with both political parties as part of their other businesses. It is a very tight line and small line that owners and other business owners have to walk. What will the NFL do? They have no choice at this point. The result of this weekend's battle of the videos will absolutely be a rule change. Maybe this should be the way to see Coca. There will absolutely be a rule change where kneeling will be allowed. How do I know this? Because right now the NFL is in no position to do anything else. And if they've got any sort of crisis PR or anybody who has any idea about PR, they understand that there are certain issues that you can go all the way. And there are certain issues where you have to know when to stop. And when you're dealing with employees and dealing with a multi-billion dollar business, you cannot be on the wrong side of an issue as charged as this one. The U.S. Soccer Federation, as an example, they're calling a special board meeting tomorrow, which will be Tuesday, January 9th, except it's not January, Coca. It's June 9th, tomorrow. U.S. Soccer Federation is calling a board meeting Tuesday where they are going to vote on repealing the rule requiring national team players to stand during the national anthem. The Soccer Federation will not be the only organization who will have to change rules. They're starting. NFL will follow. They will have no other choice. What will the fallout be? There will be political fallout. It will have to be explained. There will have to be message points. There will have to be competent PR people and competent messengers and togetherness between the players and the owners as they navigate what is clearly the most complicated issue that anyone working in sports has seen. And I'm not prone to hyperbole. I'm really not. As I think about my years in the game, 18 years, thinking about what are issues where you have to make sure you are on the right side. I think about 9-11. I think about labor issues. I think about hurricanes and other natural disasters. I think about diversity, hiring. There has never been an issue like this. Now, we all know and we've talked about the fact that racial inequality, racism, it's existed for hundreds of years, beginning of time in this country. There have been people on all sides of every issue, but this one, there's only one. And what's interesting is what certain players are doing and what certain owners are doing, and what certain companies are doing, 
because we are at the tip right now of the accountability threshold. The accountability threshold, and this has been back in the day, we grew up in a house where uh, we were not allowed to have Nestle. Nestle's Crunch, I used to love them. I would sneak them when I was at school. Nestle water, nothing Nestle. Why? Hot chocolate? No. Because Nestle was in Africa at the time. This is back in the 70s, maybe even the 80s, although I was older then. They were in Africa at the time, and they were promoting formula instead of breastfeeding to people who couldn't afford it, saying that formula was a healthier, better option because that's what they were selling. And so my mother said, and I hope I'm getting this right if she's listening. If she's not listening, then I got it right. Although someone will DM me at David P. Sampson if I'm wrong. But there was a group of people who boycotted Nestle called the Nestle Boycott. And it didn't really have a huge following, but it existed, but not enough so that Nestle stopped doing what it was doing. Today, the stakes are higher. The issues are deeper. I got to so you want to talk to Samson about this. The so you want to talk to Samson, which is when you go into Twitter at David P. Samson and ask a question in my DMs and I'll get to it if I can, read it if I will, respond if I may. Michael Jordan announced this past weekend that he and Jordan Brands, that's going to be important, that conjunction is going to be important shortly. Jordan and Jordan Brands are pledging $100 million over 10 years to fight racism. The question asked of me is, why is Jordan now active politically? Why now? What changed? The last dance, which we reviewed in earlier episodes of Nothing Personal was the 10-part documentary going through Jordan's life and talking about the 1997-1998 Bulls season as they attempted to win their second three-peat and did. Spoiler alert, they did. Michael Jordan was very clear that in his playing days, he was there to play basketball. He was in no way political, period, hard stop. All of a sudden, he releases a statement, a very well-written, perfectly framed, correct-toned statement as owner of the Charlotte Hornets. I almost said Bobcats again. And now he is making a very public pledge. What changed? It's not the criticism that Michael got as part of the last dance for not being politically involved. It's not Obama on the last dance saying, hey, if he had to do it again, maybe he would have done it differently and gotten more involved as a player. It's not that current players are getting more involved like a LeBron James using his immense platform to be involved. It's actually Jordan as owner of a team, which he now is, realizes that he has a responsibility that he may not have felt as a player. And the responsibility is to be on the right side of an issue when there is only one side. Companies are getting wiped out who are on the wrong side, even mistakenly on the wrong side, even on the wrong side when they don't think they're on the wrong side. If it even smells like you're on the wrong side, you have a problem. Big story out of Charlotte where Michael Jordan owns his team. 
They have a firm called CPI. It's their security company. With the Marlins, we used to use, uh, oh, God, they had the yellow coats. I, I am having the biggest mind blank on a Friday that I've ever had. Usually they happen Friday. Uh, Coca, this is insane. They wore yellow coats. They have yellow windbreakers. Anyway, every team has a security firm. They're the ones who are there, and they are not police, but they are hired by the team or the stadium in order to keep the peace. The company's CPI has been fired by the Charlotte Hornets, fired by every single team in Charlotte with whom they worked. Why? Because the owner, the owner of CPI security said in a tweet, a better use of time would be to focus on the black-on-black crime and senseless killing of our young men by other young men. At the surface, how does that sound? It got criticized immediately of our young men, people who didn't know what color Ken Gill was. It turns out he's white, not black. We don't know whether he's racist or not. He since said, of course, absolutely not. But it didn't matter. His insensitive comment was enough. There was enough of an avalanche. And once it starts, it doesn't stop right now with this issue. CPI is done. The company is done. It will not recover. It happened again today with CrossFit. CEO Greg Glassman was responding to a tweet that said racism and discrimination are critical public health issues that demand an urgent response. And he responded with the words Floyd-19. Reebok responded saying, we will no longer sponsor the CrossFit Games. We've agreed to sponsor this seat year and we won't walk away but the last four years of our deal were done and we're never re-upping. Other sponsors have followed suit. CrossFit is a big business. Greg Glassman, the CEO, immediately apologized. What do you do when you're running a business and then it's gone? The answer is what Coca has taught me and what I try to do, but not as easy as you think. When you're going to fire off a tweet, press draft. Put it in the drafts. Revisit it in a half hour. The desire that we all have in the media, that you have in the business world, you want to be first. You want to get attention. You want to get likes. You want to get retweets. You want to get followers. You want to be controversial. You want to have an opinion. You don't want to be boring. There's some issues where either you go silent, which I promised you I'm not going to do, Or you just know what's right and what's wrong. I've got my coca. Greg Glassman of CrossFit better have a coca. Ken Gill of CPI Security doesn't have a coca. It's critical for players, owners, anybody with a platform, you must have a coca. That's going to be my tagline, actually. Who's your coca? Who's your coca? It's just starting, folks. What's not just starting is the ML Beer Challenge. Today is day 85 
Friday was day 82. Saturday was 83. Sunday was 84. Monday's 85. We're going 100 days of giving away $1,000 a day to organizations. For the first 77, we did organizations who are helping those who suffered from COVID-19 and the economic fallout. The last 23, we adjusted and are going to organizations who are helping solve the problem of endemic racism. On Saturday, we gave $1,000 to the National Bail Fund Network. The National Bail Fund Network is made up of over 60 community bail and bond funds across the country. There are people who cannot make bail. And when you cannot make bail, you end up in prison and you don't get out. And many of the people who are arrested, who have a small bail and just have no means to do it, there are organizations who get people out on bail. And these are not flight risks. These are simply people who cannot afford to post bail. On Saturday, $1,000 to the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights, named after Ella Baker, a brilliant black hero of the civil rights movement. Following in her footsteps, this organization organizes with black, brown, and low-income people to shift resources away from prisons and punishment and toward opportunities that make our communities safe, healthy, and strong. A very worthy organization, $1,000, day 84. Day 85, did you know, and, and uh, there's an organization called Black Lives Matter. We're seeing a lot of people with the sign, the hashtag. There's an actual organization that was founded in 2013. It was founded in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, Black Lives Matter Foundation is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and by vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, Black Lives Matter is winning immediate improvements in lives. I'm choosing these organizations purposefully and not politically. I'm choosing them because I don't need to practice to be on the right side of an issue. I am on the right side of the issue. I am hopeful that 2020, I heard something on the radio this weekend that bothered me. Did I mention this on Friday, Coca, the 208? I can't remember whether I did. I don't think I did. I have the hardest time remembering show to show. I heard on the radio, Coke, are you there? Hello? Can I say the 208 story? Do you know the 208 story? Is there any chance you're not in the facility right now? Nope. By the way, this is great. I get total silence because he leaps. He literally just leaps. How can we do a show with you not here after I'm promoting the fact that you're always here? I need my Coca. All right, I'm going to tell it again. Excuse me. So in, on the radio, I heard someone say, there's only 208 days left in 2020. Wouldn't it be great if this year passed quickly and we could just forget about it? Well, the good news is that I have a different view. There's 208 days left in 2020. Let's make it the year that actually changes the world. Let's make this the year that every history book looks back on 
as the single most important year in our country's history, surpassing our independence. This was the year that we finally got it right, where tolerance prevailed over hatred and misplaced prejudice. That's my hope. So these organizations have all been around and they're all helpful. If you can afford whatever you can, there are so many like it. I ask you to please help. $19, $190, it doesn't matter the amount. A dollar a day. ML Beer Challenge, we're not shaving until there's baseball. You heard earlier in the show, there's going to be baseball. It's just a matter of when. I think I may shave the beard into a bagel. I may just put like holes in my beard to show, hey, one side is six, one side's half a dozen. Coming up after the break, reviewing a very important documentary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back. I am still watching movies and TV once a day, all day, every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. I watched a movie that was nominated for an Academy Award and I had not seen it before. It's called 13th. 13th is a documentary that deals with the 13th Amendment. I went back before watching. I wanted to read the 13th Amendment again, which I did. And I wanted to point out exactly what the 13th Amendment says. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. That's section one of the 13th Amendment. The words except as a punishment for crime. Those are critical. And that's what this documentary talks about. The documentary goes through the prison industrial complex and the history 
And I just want to point out two or three things. I'd like you to see this documentary. It is powerful. It's made by Anna DuVernay, who directed the miniseries that we reviewed on an earlier Nothing Personal about the exonerated five, the Central Park Five. Slavery was abolished not with this, the day of this amendment, because it had to pass through the House and Congress, and it did eventually pass. Once slavery was abolished, what happened was slaves were called in and basically they were buttressing the economy in the South back during this time period. Once all of these men, women, and children were set free with the abolishing of slavery, the economy in the South cratered. And so what happened is that legislatures got together and passed a bunch of laws making certain acts crimes. The police went out the law enforcement, and they basically arrested men, charged them, put them in prison, and put them to work. That's where prison labor really started. And this prison labor is how the South was able to have its economy rebound. This prison labor exists today in a way that as a consumer, you don't realize. You don't realize when you are buying items clothing, machinery, when you're flying on certain planes, I guarantee you in your house, you have something made by a prisoner. It's a 100% guarantee, period, hard stop. The movie 13th goes through the prison industrial complex and talks about how the privatization of prisons, the Clinton crime bill of 1994, which was an unmitigated disaster, which the Clintons have walked away from, as have just about everybody, because it led to three strikes and you're out. It led to mandatory sentencing guidelines, which have made the prison population completely in, increase to the point where we have an unbelievable number. And I'm going to get the numbers wrong because I wanted to do it from memory. I believe the U.S. is, what is it? It's not two and a half. It's, we are... 10% of the world's population with 40% of the prison population or 2.5% versus 10%, 25%, 2.5% versus 25 10, Well, let's just say whatever the numbers are, we have an outsized population. There's no correlation. It's actually inverse. We have the fewer, fewer people per cap in the world and way more in prison. It's still going on today. If you have a chance, please, please watch 13th. It's 5% of the world's population with 25% of the prisoner population. I was close, Coca. You're back. Did you hear me ask you about the 208, by the way? He whispers, he talks, he was gone. Are you going to admit it right now? I'm stopping the show. Stop the show. Did you, yes or no, did you hear me ask you whether or not I told the 208 story? He said, he's whispering, he's saying, I was at a loss for words, Coca. Why can't you just acknowledge the fact? Tell us where you were. Get on the, get on right now, get on the show and tell us where you were. All right, I got a correction to make. My correction is the following. I'm not telling our audience that you were eating a cupcake. I'm not telling them that, Matt. Matt, yeah, yeah, it's Matt. 
Okay, correction. For those of you who listened to the mailbag bonus episode, it dropped this weekend. We're going to do another one in June. Here's what you do. Go to Apple. Have, please, a five-star rating. Thank you. Review the show. When we get to a 1,000 reviews, which will be a great moment, not sure why, because I was told it's a great moment, we're going to give away a piece of memorabilia. So if even if you do review number 870, you can come back and still do review number 1,000. Have you ever done like a, a, a silent auction where you have to keep writing down a number underneath the person next to you and you're standing there waiting for the auction to close? Anyway, in this show, so you go write a, write a question after review and I'll answer the question at the end of the month. In the show, I gave you my top 10 list of TV shows. And then, I, and I spent time on this. I really do. I have no idea what happened to me. But I'd like you to absolutely ignore that top 10 list. It was wrong in every way. My new top 10 list is as follows. And this is the final final. Though, as I watch more shows, they could obviously change, much like my top 100 movies. As you watch something new, it could break the top 10. My current top 10 list of TV shows. Number 10, a show introduced to me by Coca. It's brilliant. It's British. It's marvelous. It's called Love Sick. I've reviewed it. Number nine, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Reviewed it. Watch it. Number eight, The Man in the High Castle. Reviewed it. Watch it. It's great. Number seven, Newsroom. Written by Aaron Sorkin with Jeff Daniels. Only two or three seasons. Incredibly powerful. My seventh favorite show of all time is Newsroom. Number six is Breaking Bad. Number five is Seinfeld. A new entry to the top five. How could I have forgotten this? I don't know what happened. I, I, and when I make my top 100 and top 10 lists, I've got tons of shows and I'm breaking it down and I'm eliminating some. I'm adding others. Shit's Creek. Oi. It's number four. I'm sorry. To Eugene Levy and Dan Levy, brilliant creators. Catherine O'Hara. It's unbelievable. Schitt's Creek is number four. Number three is The West Wing. The brilliance of The West Wing never ceases to amaze me. My top two stay the same because those are my top two, no matter what and for all time. Number two, Survivor. Number one, MASH. That's the update. That's the correction. I apologize. Wait to see is when we figure out what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. We're accountable. We go back and we say when things change, when we got it right. I think there's a wait to see about baseball in June. I think I'm going to get that right, but I'm not ready to call it yet because it's not going to happen by June. I had NFL training camp starting, not starting on time in July. I think I'm going to get that wrong, but I haven't yet, so we're going to leave it be. But once it is definitive that I'm right or wrong, that is when I revisit a wait to see. There's a story that came out last week about Alabama, and I'm talking about the University of Alabama, the college where Nick Saban coaches. They brought players back for volunteer workouts, and five players were tested positive. They were all tested, five players tested positive. Universities are seeing a lot of positive tests, and what they're doing is when the players test positive, they're then quarantining them for 14 days Arkansas State came back, seven people tested positive. Auburn came back, three people tested positive. An Oklahoma State player participated in a protest 
came back to school and then tested positive. He actually went public saying, we got to be careful here. So the Alabama players were tested on a Tuesday. They worked out on a Wednesday and got the positive test results back Thursday. I just want to say it again so that everyone is very clear in the timeline. And I believe this is wrong. I think it was misreported because it can't be that Alabama was this stupid. It can't be. But reportedly, they tested players on one day, let them work out the next day while the results were pending, and then quarantined them the day after when they tested positive. Is that possible? Wait to see. There will be a rule put in place, and we'll put a, we'll put a uh, timeline on it. In the next two weeks, there will be a rule put in place that no workouts will happen in any facility until not just a player tests, gets a test, but until the results are received. This isn't even a fair way to see. It's too easy. A rule in every league will be before any workout takes place, you have to be tested and then we have to get the results. Why is this a rule that is necessary? Because the critical part, and we're going full circle on this episode, the critical part that we talked about in baseball, where players are going to be tested every day, every other day, there will be a plan in place to quickly separate, isolate those players, do contact tracing, and test the players who are in contact with anybody who tested positive. Why is that critical? Because once the season starts, it's got to finish. College football, pro football, the NBA and its playoffs in Orlando, the NHL and their playoffs in the two cities where they're holding the conference playoffs, MLB in 30 cities. You've got to get to the postseason. That is where your bread is buttered. And if too many players are testing positive and they don't know they're positive because they're asymptomatic, that's the issue right now is that so many people are asymptomatic with COVID-19 that you get the feeling you're fine because you feel fine, but you are contagious. You do not want to be the asymptomatic player who gets your coach sick and because of your coach's age and demographic, that coach has a higher probability of getting really sick and in some cases dying. No league wants that responsibility. No league wants that liability. It is critical for players and staff to follow the rules, abide the isolating and the quarantining and the six feet apart and the no large gatherings. People's lives are at stake. People's health are at stake. And people's wallets are at stake. Yeah, you know. Staying six feet apart, that's business. It's nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.